This is FBG Jen and FBG Kristen. And I'm FBG Margo, host and producer. You're listening to the podcast that will help you keep a lid on the junk in the trunk and inspire you to live a happy and confident life. Each episode, we chat with motivational experts and celebs and share our own candid adventures in being healthy. If you're looking for a podcast that's equal parts hilarious and enlightening, well then welcome to the Fit Bottoms Girls podcast. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. This is FBG Margo, and on the line today, we have Jen. Hi. And we have Kristen. Hello. And today our guest is Devin Sisson, and she has a new book coming out called Kitchen Intuition, where she features guessapes. And you guys will learn more about that in this show today. But I guess I want, uh, Kristen, you mentioned in the interview that we're doing today that you've been using her book. So why don't you tell us a little bit about her new cookbook? Sure. Yeah. So first off, I, I'm a fan. Um, I don't just love every cookbook that crosses my path and I have the opportunity to look at a lot of them. But what I really like about this one, because, you know, it's all about me, right? This is the type <laughs> of book that like, if someone was like, hey, could you write a cookbook? This is the sort of thing I would do because instead of her um, saying like, you need half a teaspoon of salt and, you know, three quarters of a cup of you know, Greek yogurt or whatever, you know, she has things in here like use a drizzle of olive oil, get a few ears of corn, a few tablespoons of mayonnaise. Like I'm looking at a, a dish that I actually made there. She has a warm street corn salad recipe that was super delicious, but it's, you know, the, it, it's called kitchen intuition. So the whole idea is to not only have some recipes that you can go to and make, but really kind of learn about what those foods are and how to how to play with them and how to make them into a meal that you really really love so she has a lot of things in here like let's see i'm fajita tacos and so you know she's like here's what i use um but you could also use different kinds of steak or you know here under optional she's got all kinds of different all kinds of different additions that that some people might want to use and she really encourages you to think about other, you know, other ingredients, not just like toppings for things, but, you know, other ingredients that you might want to swap out. If you, you know, if you don't love salmon, could you make it with chicken? Different things like that. And it's all, it's all with, you know, healthy eating in mind, but there's zero restriction here. You know, it's all about like creating food that you really love and then sitting down and, you know, tasting and enjoying it and experiencing all of it, you know, from start to finish. So I, I like that. And I particularly like the uh, sweet potato pad thai has been a very big hit in, in our house. So um, I would totally recommend that. And we're going to have, or maybe we already did run the uh, banana waffles recipe yeah. on, on Fit Bottom to Eat. So we'll make sure that we've got a link to that in the, in the show notes. But that's, like, that's one that she has said multiple times is totally one of her favorite go-to, you know, share it with everybody, eat it all the time recipes guess a piece whatever are the, are the sweet potato is the sweet potato pad thai are like the noodles sweet potato or what does she do for me they are they're sweet potatoes oh, that's cute oh, <laughs> that's no. cute that yeah. sounds amazing <laughs> and it, yeah it was like the easiest thing in the world too and i was a little nervous because i knew i would like it because i like basically anything sweet potato my husband is not quite as easy to please with that and he's actually requested it numerous times since then Mm, oh, that's a good um, recommendation. I've, I've modified it a couple of times, and he's like, "Actually, could you go back to the the way it was the first time? Because I really liked that." So, oh. 
you know, and that's the, that's the thing, right? Is when you're playing with food and when you're really learning about what you like, not every single thing is going to be a huge hit. Although everything that I've done with it has certainly been edible and I've enjoyed it. But, you know, you just learn about what works for you and what works for your family. So it's more like it's intuitive cooking. You know, we talked about intuitive yep. eating a few times on the show and on the blogs, but this is intuitive cooking. And so I, I was wondering, like, you, you know, you guys know, you, and if you follow my friends and family know, I'm like a huge fan of my Instant Pot. I really like, you cannot pry that <laughs> thing away from me, but it, it is perfect for recipes because you just heat it up, throw in the veggies you like, throw in the protein, and then I decide, do I want it to have a peanut flavor? Do I want it to have basil? Do I want this? And it's just beautiful for that. And I'm learning to be a much better cook just because I'm not following recipes so strictly like it has to be a certain way I'm kind of figuring out my own way with things and so I think it would, I think it's going to be I, I can't wait to try out this book and that that uh the, that banana waffles recipe sounds delicious yeah so Margo question on the instant pot yes okay because and I, I think that we'll get into this in a second as to whether we are more recipe or recipe people but I I have trouble with things like like the slow cooker mm-hmm. or you know baking because you have to put everything in and then you walk away and you leave it and you can't <laughs> add you can't, like, taste it as it's going and say oh you know what more salt more garlic which is basically I'm always like more garlic same here um but it, so how does that work because I, I don't know maybe other people are as clueless as I am about the actual real life usage of an instant pot. It's great for, I mean, you can defrost things really quickly with it. It's also, it's a, it's a slow cooker. It's a fast cooker. It, it cooks really quickly. It's stainless steel. It like heats really quickly. And it's also a pressure cooker. So I, you know, I, I'm a big bone broth kind of person. I do, I do my bone broth in there all the time and it cooks it up. Normally it would take like 14 to 16 hours. It takes about an hour when I use the instant pot. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's pretty, Whoa. yeah, it's pretty awesome. And then I featured on fit bottom eats, one of my favorite recipes. And I think it's uh, the cave girl instant pot recipe, which is just, it's just eggs and sweet potato, or you could put, you know, other vegetable in there. But for that one, you know, I, I started adding and playing along with it myself with baking. I think you do have to stick with a recipe, unfortunately, because it's just so scientifically exact. You have to have the right ingredients for baking, but I understand like, you know, also I just like the process of cooking. I like the process of tasting as I cook and I can't do that when I'm slow cooking or when I'm pressure cooking. So when I'm just regular cooking with the instant pot, that's when I can do it. Neat. It is neat. It's a, it's a great invention. Yeah. <laughs> we live in good times. Yeah. <laughs> I think I put that on my like Christmas list. Like instant pot. Yeah. I also have a really hard time making rice. I don't know why. Like I can create. Me too. I can make pretty good food, but for some reason, me and rice are just yeah. Really? All the rice in the house. Yeah. I I like always. I I, I don't know. And I always measure the water and I follow the directions, but I, I yeah. I don't know. That sounded judgier from me than I really meant it to be. It's, it's, just, it's, it's surprise is all it is. Because, I mean, you've cooked for me. You're a really good cook. I like eating I your cook. food. I can even bake. I enjoy baking. I can restrict myself and measure things. I can do it. But, yeah, not – I can't – rice and I just – But that's why I buy a lot of the um, – like at Trader Joe's, you can get – frozen rice like frozen brown rice that you put in the microwave for three minutes and it comes out perfect every single time I was just like why am I why am I lamenting the fact that I can't cook rice I'll just do this (laughs) and you guys like so we have gone in and we're we're not paleo in my house we're not paleo we're not gluten-free we're not any of that we use cauliflower rice so much though we've actually come to to like it better in a lot of 
in a lot of our recipes. And I like the fact that like you're getting some awesome nutrition with it. Yeah, this is another one. Like, poor Jared. I feel like I'm (laughs) making him sound so difficult, and he's not. Like, he eats most of what I what I want to make. But when he we were at the grocery store, and he was like, "Oh, hey, can we get more cauliflower rice?" I could have fallen over because I was like, "Oh, (laughs) I didn't know that you actually like preferred this." So, how do you cook your cauliflower rice? Well, so usually I use it when I'm doing some sort of um, vegetables, of course, because that's how I roll. Um, so if I'm sauteing the veggies, then I f- usually throw it in like after the veggies have begun to soften, but like onions are not translucent. Mm-hmm. Um, so just enough so that the, the cauliflower gets like soft, but not mushy or else. I, so basically I, I saute it with just like a tiny bit of oil pretty much all the time is what I do. Yeah, I think that you can steam it, you can do all that stuff, but I yeah. like getting like, it. it. Yeah, it, it absorbs so much flavor. It does. Uh, I mean, and you put so I don't know if you guys do like olive oil with um, red pepper flakes in it to kind of infuse the, the heat, mm-hmm. but that with some garlic is, I mean, it's fantastic. It's I, so good. I, I throw in chimichurri sauce sometimes, and then some chicken. Ooh. Oh mm-hmm. man, is it good? Yeah, yeah. I'll do like a um, cauliflower, um, like a. Like a stir fry kind of rice situation. Yeah. With the soy sauce and eggs and like little peas and carrots and mm-hmm, it's good. Peas are way underrated, y'all. I've been on peas lately. They are little sweet, little delicious, like little green. Yeah, I'm totally into they're them so lately. Good. Yeah, they're wonderful and they're nice color to see on your plate. I love it. They are. They're really good in salads. People people leave them out, and I really yeah. think that. The majority of salads could benefit from the addition of peas. But don't that is my platform. People, I'm standing on it. I think a lot of people like grew up with like canned peas. Yeah. That are kind of like kind of gross. But if you get like a even a frozen pea that's cooked well or a fresh pea, because I know I just planted actually some peas for my fall garden, and I am really hoping that they turn out because oh my gosh, fresh peas are so good. I yeah. like them in my uh, spaghetti squash. My, I make spaghetti with spaghetti squash or, or um, just yeah. regular. And I throw oh, yeah. my peas and like little tomato basil. Mwah, it's delicious. Yum. Okay. Yum. I know. And I'm so Super hungry, yum. you guys. And we have more shows to tape, but. <laughs> <What? laughs> I know. <laughs> we'll just continue talking about food and eating. <laughs> yeah, we'll do that. So, you guys, we're going to just go right into this interview today. It's with Devin Sisson. She's an absolute delight. You're going to love hearing about her. And let's just go into her interview. Welcome back to the Fit Bottom Girls podcast. She is here today to talk about her book, Kitchen Intuition. Welcome to the show, Devin. Hi, so happy to be here. So Devin, we're really happy to have you. This is Margo, and on the line today we have Jen. Hey there. And we have Kristen. Hello. And we're all excited to talk to you. So Devin, this is Margo. I'm going to ask you the first question. Your book, Kitchen Intuition, is filled with personal stories on top of your excellent recipes. In it, you talk about battling with orthorexia and using intuitive eating and mindful eating to heal your relationship with food. Can you please explain to our audience what exactly orthorexia is and how it inhibited your joy for living and eating? So from my understanding, orthorexia is sort of a hyper-awareness of food, a hyper-awareness of what you're putting into your body that goes past just being aware of eating healthy, eating consciously, eating good quality foods, and starts to become something that was holding 
or tends to hold people back. It's almost a, a fear of food, if you will, for a lot of people. And I think it tends to manifest in in ways in people's lives, sort of around the word restriction and restricting a lot of foods or calories or ways of eating or variety. And I think how that happened in my own life is just, you know, growing up in Southern California as a as a young girl, uh, the pressures of looking a certain way or being a certain way in the world. Also because of my, you know, my family, my father is Mark Sisson and has made his life and his living from looking a certain way, eating a certain way, and living a certain way. So whatever pressure I felt on my own, they never placed it on me. Uh, just turned into this fear of if I eat this food, it's going to make me fat. If I eat this food, it's going to make me feel this way. If I eat this food, it's going to poison me because it's not organic. And it was unbelievable how much joy I know I have in the experience of eating and how all that was completely gone because it was constantly about fear. And what I what sort of came of that was how it was affecting my digestion, the actual fear around eating and constantly being in that fight or flight mode really made it difficult for my body to absorb nutrients and digest food. So as I started to write the cookbook, which, you know, originally was for other people, really turned out to be for myself, uh, in an exploration of sort of slowing down, stepping back, relaxing, getting in touch with my food and giving myself the, the freedom and the space to take it at my own pace, to allow myself to restrict and experience the fear whenever I felt it, but to really find joy and be grateful for the positive experiences I had, which ended up happening for me because of friendships and romantic relationships. I started to notice that more often I ate with my best friend or my boyfriend or my godfather just the more calm and relaxed I felt and I could make healthier choices and I could have freedom in what I was choosing to eat, knowing that I was nourishing myself. Does that make sense? Totally. Oh, absolutely. So did you, did you get, get help from someone else or did you, was this all kind of just you going introspective? There was a brief period of time that I sought out help from like a registered dietitian or and a nutritionist and bless her I, I adore her and I she gave me some wonderful book recommendations but I did not find that helpful I found writing down my every bite and portion of food and my calories and writing all of that down just seemed to make it worse I wasn't being true to what I was eating because I was afraid I'd have to write it down and I was lying about writing things down. It's just the dynamic did not did not serve me personally in that way. But I did spend a year going through the Institute for Integrative Nutrition yeah. and that, you know, with no intention of becoming a health coach, so to speak, but I really used that program to sort of delve deep inside myself and start to notice my habits and practices with food that were no longer serving me. And what seemed like something that came out of the blue, I don't ever remember thinking about all of this or struggling with any of this in high school. It was mm -hmm. really when I went away to college and 
started to have to make my own food choices, grocery shop for myself. I started to ask myself, am I eating these foods because I'm, I'm familiar with them and they were in my fridge at home? Am I eating these foods because dad says I, sh you know, dad tells the world that we should eat these foods or am I eating them because they feel good in my body? And that was the first chance I had to explore what was good for me. And again, I sort of, I sort of took it to the extreme for a little while and threw off the balance of hormones uh, in my body and lost a lot of weight and realized that that's not really how I wanted to live my life and how I was feeling or how I was experiencing food because I know how much joy it brings me. Yeah. Now, Kitchen Intuition is its currently sitting on my kitchen counter, and I made a couple of recipes from it the other day, and they were both big hits. My husband and I were actually brainstorming what other things we can do. The um, We did the sweet potato pad thai, oh, and yeah. we were like, um, oh, well, what else can we add to that? What can we, what can we do with it? Which is what I really love about your book is it's all about encouraging people to play with food, and you know, you're talking about finding the joy in cooking and eating and, and all of that, and I, I think that that rings really true. So, but I wanted to kind of give you a chance to, to tell our listeners a little bit more about this book, because I, I think it's really cool. And I was actually telling Jen, as I was looking through it, I'm like, this is like what we would do. You know, it's just really friendly and inclusive. But yeah, like, it's just so much more than a cookbook. So can you tell, tell everyone a little bit more about what they can expect from, uh, from Kitchen Intuition? Yeah, absolutely. The book is is like my heart song. It's just an ex experiences I've had, a small piece of me that I wanted to share with my friends and family, and then, you know, all of the Amazon customers and Barnes and Noble goers. But I really wanted people to understand that cooking can be fun. That food isn't scary, that good quality, nourishing, healthy food doesn't taste gross, and that being tired or not having a lot of money is not an excuse to not take care of yourself. And my dad calls a lot of the recipes in the book recipes because the way I learned to cook, again, no formal culinary training whatsoever. I have worked in kitchens and with chefs and under chefs and watched a lot of the Food Network. But he calls them recipes because during my time of restricting, I had all of these things I wouldn't allow myself to eat, but I still wanted to find ways to eat waffles or lasagna or spaghetti and meatloaf, things that I wasn't allowing myself to eat. So I had the list of foods that I felt comfortable eating and then I decided to seek out recipes and find ways to satisfy my cravings and so if I wasn't eating dairy for one week or nuts one week or meat one week or fat one week whatever it was I was still able to find creative ways to make these recipes and I think at least in this day and age you're starting to see it a lot in restaurants right now there's so many things people are choosing to not eat whether it's you know, gluten, dairy, meat, sugar, that doesn't mean you can't enjoy food. And so the recipes are a collection of ingredients that I put together with suggestions of how to do something, how to roast butternut squash and make it a little more interesting because I love pomegranates and feta 
and cilantro. But if you want to try parsley and raisins and goat cheese, why not? I'm not, who, who am I to stop you? And that's the most fun part about it is that I really sort of take all the responsibility off myself and encourage my readers to figure it out for themselves. And I got a lot of pushback from the people helping me edit the book saying, you know, no, 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 no. You have to put actual measurements of things. People aren't going to know how to do this. To which I responded, I have full faith that they're going to do it. They're going to have fun doing it and that they're going to be okay trying it. So again, the recipes started as a way for me to find, find, a, find a way, I guess, to uh, eat the foods I love despite my restrictions, which is funny because I'm not restrictive at all now, but still I'm looking for ways to utilize extra vegetables in my fridge or use something that's seasonal at the farmer's market or cook for my friends and family that have allergies and, you know, choose not to eat certain things. So you talk about pressure-free food prep in your book. Can you tell us what that means and what are your best tips for food prep in general? Having things available in your fridge. So food prep in the way that people are doing meal prep on Instagram, you know, cooking your food from start to finish, uh, having meals perfectly portioned out. If you have time to do that and enjoy doing that and it works for you, I think that's a great idea. I feel like if I have things that are just sort of ready in my fridge, then I'm good then I'm good to go and I will make better choices with my meals. So that might mean going to the grocery store and just cutting the ends off and washing all of my vegetables or cutting them in a way that I would use them to saute or roast or you know, steam, prepare in some way, getting my dressings ready for the week or just having things on hand like a chicken, like, you know, a pre-cooked chicken breast or some fish or whatever protein, hard-boiled eggs, things that you enjoy eating and snacking on. Nothing has, you know, not everything has to be prepared on Sunday for the entire week. But throughout the week, if you're making a little bit extra food for dinner, you can eat for lunch the next day. Or if you're just taking that first step when you get home from the grocery store to just, like, cut the ends off your broccoli, wash it. Peel, peel whatever you're eating, cut up the sweet potatoes, just taking that first step to get the food ready. And you're going to be a lot likely, a lot more likely to make stir fry for dinner if your vegetables are already cut and sitting in a bag in the fridge. That makes sense, right? Totally. That makes so much sense because I think some people, you know, like you're saying, if you're in a meal prep, like full meal prep, you know, have at it. But I think some people look at that and they're like, man, I do not really want to spend an entire Sunday, you know, preparing all my meals for the week. Yes, it sets me up, but like, I, I got a life to live. <laughs> so I kind of like, that was like, yeah, just kind of chop it up. Just make stuff a little bit easier as you can, you know? And at least for me, you know, I, I would grocery shop every single day of the week if I, you know, if it fit into my schedule simply because I kind of like to pick what I'm going to eat that day. But for me, I don't know on Sunday what I'm going to want to have for lunch on Thursday. Right. So that that takes some of the joy out of it for me, and it certainly works for people that are moving towards a, a goal, a specific goal. I know that can be really helpful and supportive, but just taking that first step to cut things up or wash things or get things ready, have things available. That way you can still use the same ingredients you would as if you were food prepping or meal prepping for the week. But on Monday, you can stir fry. On Tuesday, you can roast. On Wednesday, you can steam and throw it in with some sauce. 
you can kind of mix it up while still getting good quality ingredients. And then you're a lot less likely to order food late at night if you have like a bag of almost ready food sitting in the fridge. Totally. So I think um, we may have a lot of listeners who, you know, hear you talking about the intuitive eating piece, the intuitive cooking piece, and all the meal prep and everything, and kind of wondering, you know, if someone was more restricted or was kind of trapped in what we kind of call the, the all or nothing thinking, like I'm either 100% healthy, full in, or I'm kind of like off doing you know, take out or whatever, people want to kind of take that first step to trusting themselves, to being more intuitive, where would you suggest that they start? Besides getting your book, I guess, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's obvious. That's the first thing. Where would I suggest they start? I know the kitchen, the kitchen can be a really scary place for some people, especially those that are really dealing with some restricting. Even there's a story in my book about my best friend, when I was living in New York, was struggling with a, a very serious eating disorder. I spent, you know, nights in the hospital with her. And she's 100% healed, wonderful, living a happy, healthy, amazing life now. And the first step for her was to just hang out with me. I'm not saying that everybody should hang out with me, although I'm totally open to that. But... <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's like there's no there's no one answer for everybody. And somebody asked me in an article to put it in three steps. And the first step was just to relax, was to not have any judgment or thinking or any thought process around what you're doing right now is wrong. The minute you start to think that what you're doing is not good for you and it's wrong and it's bad and you kind of know you shouldn't be doing it, that tends to keep you in this vicious cycle of guilt and resentment and discomfort and there's no way out of it. If there's a way that I can that I could encourage people to more often be in the experience of enjoying food, even if, if for somebody, again, that's going to lunch with one particular person because they feel more comfortable or going to a a good quality restaurant that they really enjoy and having a meal on their own. It's like of all the things you might be afraid of or uncomfortable with or restricting, is there one thing that you are comfortable with? Is there a person you feel good eating with? Is there a place you feel good eating at? Is there something in there that you can find that you would consider healthy and that makes you happy? For me, that was cooking. That was love. That was connection with people. But what is that for you? To be able to identify that and spend a few more days a week or a few more times a day or a few more times a month in that space. Really getting comfortable in the space of sort of like confidence, trusting your body, having a good relationship with the food that's moving through you and nourishing you and ultimately keeping you alive. If I could talk to every single listener and every person that writes a review and reaches out via email, I would, I would love to ask them that question. I would love to know of all of the things that aren't working for you right now, what is working for you and how can you take that first step to spend a little more time, again, each week, day, month, how, whatever you have time, how can you spend a little more time doing that and reminding yourself of what it feels like to be good, to be healthy, to feel energy, to feel like a sense of peace in your body. And that for me was cooking. I realized how 
much I enjoyed cooking and cooking for people. And then when I would go out, it was like, it didn't really matter if I ate fried chicken or kale salad, so long as I was having a really healthy, awesome, nourishing conversation, I felt unstoppable. I felt happy about what I was eating. It felt good in my body, and I felt like I could trust my choices. And even if I made a choice like fried chicken, it was it was a treat, not a reason to to bash myself or to be anxious about it for the whole day. That's beautiful. I love that. And we we've talked a lot um, recently about trying to trying to learn how to stop moralizing food because you know salad isn't intrinsically good fries (laughs) are not intrinsically bad they're just food so if you can just enjoy them then then do that so but speaking of really delicious foods what do you have a single like go-to favorite recipe or maybe like a slew of things that kind of use similar ingredients like you were talking about doing that sort of basic prep Something like that that is just like, you make it just about every week, you always feel really good about it, you love sharing it with people. Do you have one of those that you'd like to share with our listeners? Uh, 100%. It's the banana waffles in my book. Ooh, and we're going to have that on the site, so I'll, I'll make sure that we've got a link. They are, they are next level. They're unbelievable, and it's something that I feel really good about eating and feels really good in my body, and I can't tell you how many nights it's been sort of a last minute dinner option because there was nothing else. But another thing that I always have around always feels good and tends to be a hit with my friends and family is just a simple, simple stir fried vegetables. So whatever's seasonal, whatever's available for me and the people around me, it tends to be onion, carrot, bok choy, broccoli, and mushrooms. If I have any combination of those vegetables in the refrigerator, There's nothing I can't do with them. And any spice in my cabinet, Italian, Greek, random herbs in the fridge, try some Indian, Asian, whatever's available to me with some ghee or butter or coconut oil in the pan, those vegetables can taste so amazing. And time and time again, I invite over the unhealthiest of eaters and, you know, they leave asking when they can come back or if they can take home leftovers and it's organic vegetables. Like I feel... So successful when that happens. So you are adept at cooking for all kinds of people and all kinds of uh, types of eaters, including picky, correct? My boyfriend, my father, my mother, my best friend, and my grandparents are some of the pickiest eaters I've ever met in my entire life. And, (laughs) And when I cook for everyone, sometimes I fantasize about setting the table and telling everyone we're having water and air for dinner because that's about the only thing that everyone can eat. (laughs) (laughs) So what are your tips for um, when you have a bunch of people over, like let's say all those people you just mentioned, you know, how do you make that happen? How do you, how are you able to address everyone's different needs and their wants and their desires? So I make a list of ingredients that everyone can eat. I try to not focus on what, what people aren't eating at the moment or what they can't eat. I, instead, I make a list, and sometimes that means asking them. Sometimes I'm, you know, not aware what cleanse my mother is on or what lifestyle or way of eating and lifting my boyfriend chooses to follow. So in their own respect, they all sort of move it around depending on, again, how they're trying to work out, how they want to look and feel and live where they are in the world. So 
it's not a restriction so much as the choice that, you know, my boyfriend spends three months in keto and then goes out of it again. So I make a list of all the things they can eat, all the things that they enjoy. And it, again, this doesn't have to be a huge list, but one or two protein vegetable ideas for each person. And then I kind of just make sure that there is enough available that everyone kind of the same things on everyone's list. And I use those as inspiration for making something else. A lot of the time I find it's mushrooms that everyone's eating at some time in their life. So making a huge bowl of sauteed mushrooms with fresh herbs and some ghee or a little bit of, you know, tamari, things like that. And then my grandparents are vegan. My brother's a vegetarian. My boyfriend doesn't eat pork. My mom doesn't eat red meat. Most of them are going to eat some fish. So finding a, you know, good quality fish source. Everyone, everyone likes a big salad. Everyone seems to like sweet potatoes at this time in our life. So taking the ingredients that everyone will enjoy and finding sort of the common denominators there and then using that as a basis for picking out a meal instead of picking out a meal that I like to make and then realizing that so-and-so, you know, is allergic to chives and so-and-so is meeting in the morning so doesn't want to eat garlic. That tends to work well too when I speak to mothers of picky eaters. Like, your kid might not like steamed Brussels sprouts, but there are some vegetables that he or she is willing to eat. How can you prepare those in a way or hide them in sauces and dishes and food so that they're still getting healthy quality nutrients, but you know, delicious food that they're willing to eat and excited about eating. Totally. So you have a new restaurant opening in the You want to tell us a little bit about it? Yeah. So the restaurant's called Primal Kitchen and my brother and I have been sort of Well, doing this from the start, actually, Uh, everything from choosing the location to hiring the architect and the managers, the engineers, and it's a upscale, fast, casual restaurant, again, in downtown Culver. Uh, We'll be serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner. The entire restaurant is gluten-free, refined, sugar-free, and we only cook with safe oils sunflower oil, coconut oil, avocado oil. The entire restaurant's going to be organic, locally sourced when possible. All the meat is completely grass-fed. And we'll be offering just really interesting menu. You know, we have chicken, fried chicken and waffles on the menu, but it's like, waff, you know, sort of my banana waffles mixed with a almond flour crusted baked chicken. That's unbelievable smoothies, teas, bone broth, juices, paleo wine, and gluten-free beer. And we've we've really been immersing ourselves in the community, getting in the schools and the sports teams and the gyms, just all the community members, because we're really interested, similar to my book, in just giving people a space to eat well, to eat healthy food, to eat together, and to realize that food that's nourishing for your body is delicious that's that is the truth for sure (laughs) I love it so we have time I think for one last question and this is a big one that we ask everybody on the show and that is what is the last song you listened to before you joined us for this interview my gosh (laughs) um I oh my gosh this is so funny because I think kiss by kiss from a rose 
by Whoa. Seal. Oh, yeah. wow. That's a great song. Was, was on the radio when I was driving back from my sort of morning coffee walk routine. And that's hysterical because not necessarily a song I would have chosen to listen to, but it came on the radio. And <laughs> I was so happy to just let it be and listen. And I thought to myself, like, that's just what today's going to be like for me. I'm just going to just let it be and see see how it feels. Aw, that's amazing. Well, <laughs> that's a beautiful sentiment. I tell, I love that song, by the way. I think it's a great way to start the day. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the show today. And good luck with your restaurant. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I'm so happy to have been able to share some of my story and talk with all you guys. I loved your questions, and I really appreciate you for having me on. Oh my gosh, you're a great guest. Thanks for sharing all your insight. Yeah, hello. Of course. Of course. (laughs) Hello. Love this show? Tell us why in a five-star review on iTunes, and we'll read it on the air. Also, make sure you are a subscriber. If you want to reach out to say hi or have a question about a recent episode, yay, well, feel free to email us at podcast at fitfoundgirls.com. And if this podcast jives perfectly with your brand, consider sponsoring the show. Get more info by emailing advertising at fitbottomgirls.com. Find all kinds of Fit Bottom goodness online and on social media at Fit Bottom Girls, Fit Bottom Mamas, Fit Bottom Eats, and Fit Bottom Zen. And if books and movies are your thing, check out the other podcast I co-host called Book vs. Movie, which you can find anywhere where you search for podcasts. Thanks for listening.